G'day everyone, this is Roderick Makem. Pat Brown's here too. Pat, what the fuck happens if human civilization comes crumbling down? Well, this was the topic of an interesting discussion we had, what, a few weeks ago? Yeah, it was a while ago now. Just standing around in the kitchen. Uh, so we went deep and we basically tried to talk our way around a really basic system to back up civilization. Yeah. Or the knowledge in civilization. So the idea basically is, if there's a, a world-ending event um, or a human civilization-ending event, and there are a few humans left, um, like scattered uh, scattered groups of survivors over the years, they would, you know, build themselves up into their own little primitive civilizations again. Um, yeah, and how, the, the idea would be basically how do you create a system of knowledge for such people to get back to where we were when we were wiped out as quickly as humanly possible? Yeah. Um, a bit of context. Um, oh, you mean about uh, like the, the aqueducts and that sort of thing? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, why not start with that sort of very conceptual, poetic way yeah. of framing <laughs> the issue? Like, Yeah, uh, as in... Uh, it's something I read somewhere uh, that during the Dark Ages in in Europe, um, when so much so much knowledge was lost, um, and there were you know the warring warring tribes and Vikings coming down and destroying everything and all that kind of thing, it got to the point where people were looking up into the sky above them at the aqueducts that the Romans had built centuries before, and just wondering what giants built these things. Um, and it was, uh, it was always a really uh, interesting idea for me, the fact that human civilization could actually regress, um, that we could go backwards. And so I was just, uh, just wondering, I mean, what, what would happen if there was, if that sort of thing happened on a, on a global scale? Mm. Um, mm. And, uh, uh, and that's where this sort of conversation really sort of started. Yeah, so... I don't think it's an entirely flippant conversation. There are ways that the civilization as we know it could end. It is precedented, although obviously not at the, this level of technology. Yeah. So there's the example of the Roman Empire. It took a very long time for Western civilization to get back to where it was yeah. when that ended. And obviously there were other civilizations in other parts of the world at the time that were progressing along just fine. Mm. Um, uh, but in, uh, in, today's, uh, in today's world, uh, where everything is so connected, um, I, I can't see how, if there was uh, a major global catastrophe, how it could just be limited to um, to one particular aspect of civilization. I think if there was something big enough to really affect us, it'd probably take the whole world down. That's just me. Yeah, well, that's a, a typically sanguine outlook on things, mate. Um, <laughs> so just as an example of at least... An event that may have happened. Scientists haven't yet established it beyond all reasonable doubt. Um, but there is the the Toba incident. No, this is the the incident where basically um, they think that a comet struck somewhere in North America and caused what is generally known as the Big Freeze about twelve thousand years ago. Um, and they think that. By finding what are called micro diamonds in specific areas of the world that are extremely unlikely to have been created by uh, geomagnetic forces or whatever the forces are that 
you know, create minerals. They think that these diamonds basically came from an external impact. Mm -hmm. um, and they think that uh, where they are in the soil coincides with um, this huge climactic event around 12,000 years ago where basically the earth was plunged into an ice age. Um, let me just stop this for a second and I'll get the uh, answer on how long that ice age was for. So it seems that the Younger Dryas was 1300 years plus or minus 70 years that occurred between approximately 12,800 and 11,500 years um, BP. I don't even know what BP means. Can never keep up with this uh, decline in Christendom. Yeah, I, I assume it's much like BCE before yeah. Common Era, which is what they they brought in for a while. Actually, uh, no, uh, no, before present. Oh, which well, actually that's... makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that actually does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about. Um, uh, oh, I completely have forgotten what the amount of time was. It was around twelve thousand. 12,000 years ago. So 12,000 years ago. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the one I sort of referenced before the Toba incident was uh, was well before that, and it was like a super volcanic eruption, um, which was about 70,000 years ago um, uh, in uh, Indonesia, actually, or present-day Indonesia. Mm. Um, and uh, and the, the eruption itself is pretty well established um, and, uh, you know, caused a... Um, uh, sort of volcanic winter, um, and the uh, the thought the theory about that is that it wipe, you know it very nearly wiped out the you know the infancy of of human civilization, um, and so I suppose that's a couple of natural events uh, that you know could happen again, which could uh, wipe out human civilization as we know it, and that's before we even get to things like. Uh, nuclear wars, major global epidemics, uh, things like that. Yeah, for a little bit of light reading on those, um, we recommend the Wikipedia article entitled Global Catastrophic Risks. <laughs> so if you feel like uh, not sleeping that evening, uh, pull up Wikipedia and look that thing up. We'll put it in the show notes. We're going to put a few links in this show's notes yep. so that you guys can refer to this, the articles and bits and pieces we pull off the internet to have the discussion. Yeah. Another good one uh, is from the University of Oxford, the Future of Humanity Institute. They um, they, they don't have any problems with grandiosity at all. No, they certainly don't. No. They, uh, they don't rein themselves in too much. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they also have a, a bunch of good stuff on global ca uh, catastrophic risk. Too. What, I, what I will say for high, highly egotistical people is they don't typically have a problem thinking big. <laughs> so I, I forgive them that, provided they come up with a few good ideas about how to preserve humanity. Assuming, of course, that that's a good thing. And I'm, I suppose there could be a philosophical argument about that. Um, I'll, I'll let them go with it. <laughs> So actually, that just reminded me of uh, Rust Cole's true detective quote about us all walking hand in hand into ex extinction. <laughs> yeah, great show. If you haven't watched True Detective, you really are depriving yourself. Well, disappointing, disappointing ending. But like you know, and, spoiler uh, alert! Spoiler alert! No, well, it's not giving the ending away to say I found it disappointing. I'm just saying that, like, that's if a type anything, of if, spoiler. If Surely. anything, that's helping people because it's lowering their expectations. I suppose so. There's an argument to be made that people are better off 
I don't buy it. <laughs> um, now, to just sort of start talking about this, it's a very sort of large topic, so we'll address it at a high level, and we might just drill down into detail as it becomes interesting to us at least. Yeah. Um, so what we started off the discussion with was that probably the most efficient way to get all of humanity's information in one giant glob is to just download Wikipedia. Um, and that's actually possible. There's a, a special Wikipedia page you can go and you can just grab the entire thing. They do ask that you don't do it every day because it will destroy their infrastructure, but they're pretty okay with you doing it. Um, it is, after all, open source knowledge. Yeah. So, so provided you can find a way to download that information onto something that will last for potentially centuries and then be easily accessible to someone finding it later and, and uh, not just accessible but understandable... Yeah, and that's the hard bit. Yeah. Um, before, though, we get into the issues of like of language, let's just talk substance. Yeah. Like, what... As I mean, in, we, we don't want people just walking into a room full of Wikipedia. We thought that there would be certain things that would be more important for a nascent civilization. I was actually talking about the substance that we print onto. Oh, okay. So, I mean, <laughs> I was just... talking about substance of the actual information. Well, do you want to address the substance? Because I actually don't think we have much to say about it, not being material <laughs> scientists. No, no, we, we don't have too many. Uh... We would actually love to sort of hear from anyone who knows about what kind of substance would be able to store information in a recognisable way in, and in a compact way uh, for hundreds, potentially thousands. Uh, could we hope for tens of thousands of years yeah. just in case... Um, someone takes that long to get to them. I mean, is is the Rosetta Stone has lasted for a very long time, but I don't think you can really inscribe the you know Wikipedia onto stones. Yeah, so stones are obviously the the best uh, vehicle for long lasting messages, but that's not going to work. Uh, so so we're a bit stuck there. So if anyone's got any idea on that one. Let us know. Yeah, or, I mean, I suppose the other way and a much cheaper way to do things than to just print Wikipedia out onto slabs of whatever would be to have a machine that actually could last for thousands of years, store the information in a super small format, and then uh, allow people to read it um, in the future without any technical expertise or knowledge um, it would have to have very few moving parts, obviously. I'm not even sure if that's possible. It's a pretty crazy engineering challenge, actually. So if anyone's got any ideas on a machine that might be able to prevent us from the necessity of printing out the entirety of Wikipedia, um, that would be really good. Yeah. And just to sort of talk about printing out Wikipedia, to give you guys an idea... Wikipedia. I'm just going to type this in now. Size of Wikipedia. So, size of Wikipedia. There are currently 4,614,530 articles in English Wikipedia. I would suspect that an awful lot of those probably wouldn't be necessary for a reboot of humanity. Yeah, the problem is, though, that the task of sorting which articles are relevant is just 
Well, I think, uh, yeah, it is. But I think just from the get-go, you could just put a line through any Wikipedia article that is about uh, pop culture. Hmm. Anything about movies, TV shows. Um, Hang here's on. a Wikipedia. Hang on. What about Not about the concept of these things existing, no. but here's a Wikipedia article on True Detective. They don't need that. Well, but don't you want them to know about that? I mean, what if we talk about classics like Bridge Over the River Kwai? Arguably, that's a super good way to convey some of the lessons that humanity has learned. I'm not saying that... Well, and that's actually another question. Well, is it? If they can't watch it for themselves... Describing the plot line, though, that could be a valuable thing for them to understand. Yeah, I think uh, I think it would be better to sort of keep it to essentials. Yeah, I mean, maybe... Yeah, I mean, it's not as though I don't uh, think that... Art is something that shouldn't be uh, included in, um, in you know, the restoration of humanity or civilization reboot or uh, whatever we want to call it. Are you sure, Rod? Are you sure that you're not waging a war on culture? I am. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just reverted to Fox News there. <laughs> As you were saying. <laughs> um, I think there should definitely be a lot of um, yeah, information about the arts included. Um, but... You know, there are however many references in Wikipedia, for instance, on, you know, the, the Miley Cyrus's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of the world. And I don't think those things need... Would, I, I think it would be more trouble than it's worth to pass those on. Okay, well, I've actually... I think there are plenty of things in Wikipedia that could just be cut right out. I, I agree with you in principle. It's just that that would be a... I mean, I suppose you could automate it in the sense that you would look for certain keywords... Um, you basically pass the entire thing, and if an article contains a certain number of terms that condemn it to the trivial pile, exactly, <laughs> then you just throw that one out. But I actually think this is an interesting thing in the sense that Wikipedia is about as close to the entirety of human knowledge as we get. Yeah, and here's here are the statistics on if you printed out a hard copy of it, presumably on paper. Um, so. This is from Wikipedia, by the way. We'll also put this in the in the show notes. The following tries to illustrate how big the English language Wikipedia might be if the articles, without images and other multimedia content, were to be printed and bound in book form. Each volume is assumed to be 25 centimetres tall, 5 centimetres thick, and containing 1,600,000 words or 8 million characters. The size of the document set would be 2,042 volumes, which would be 11 typical-sized library stacks. So, I mean, it's a lot of data. Yeah. And sure, you're going to have to pass it down. Um, maybe you could have redundancy systems in the way that the data is read, such that the most important stuff is stored in one format that's virtually infallible. It actually gets printed. And then if someone comes up with a machine that they think can last for a few thousand years, you store the other stuff in a kind of a micro format that's accessible through that machine, but they'll live without data, put it that way. Yeah. I mean, it also raises the other question of where do you store it that's going to last? Yeah, okay. So let's... That's... I, I was thinking that you'd need to have one of these civilization backups on each continent. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think it's a good idea 
if depending on where the humans survive, let's just assume that there are scattered numbers. Um, Funnily enough, probably Australia would be one of the places that people would survive. That's an interesting point. Assuming, of course, the comet doesn't hit here. Yeah. Let's. Why don't we just talk about this as if it is like a comet that strikes, uh, it kills off the overwhelming majority of human beings, and we're talking about a few thousand people. I mean, if we have like a specific context in mind, it yeah. might make it a bit easier to talk around these things. Um, so let's just assume a comet hits North America, wipes out the seat of Western civilization, which is the United States. <laughs> I can't help but giggle at that juncture. Um, and we've got a few thousand human beings scattered across continents, uh, but we were thinking that it's not a good idea to force someone to have to cross an ocean to another continent to get their hands on this yeah. knowledge. Because, I mean, that took an awfully long time for people to be able to cross oceans just off our own back. It certainly did. I suppose if you call human civilization something from 10,000 years ago, um, so, you know, they, they typically date that as the beginning of human civilization as we currently know it. It took them how long? When was Jericho founded? Uh, because I, they usually, at least when yeah. I was in the Middle East, they used to mention that as like the world's first ever city. Yeah. Um, um, so Uruk was another one of the very early ones. 11,000 years BP. Um, so, because I'm using that term we just learned. Yeah, um, running with it. Yeah, running with it. So we've gone from BCE, BC to BCE to BP. Um, so 11,000 years BP was when Jericho was. And the last part of the world to be discovered was, I mean, significant continent-wise was Australia, yeah. right? I don't just have a distorted perspective on this because I live here, do I? Uh, was Antarctica after Australia in terms of significant land discovered? Well, I mean, yeah. But if we talk about like land livable, yeah. livable land, because we're not proposing, I don't think, to store one of these libraries on uh, Antarctica. Antarctica. <laughs> although, <laughs> although, if you want to, yeah. I mean, who knows what Antarctica is going to be like in uh, a thousand years. Yeah, that's uh, the problem. And I mean, why I was, I guess, uh, Australia as a continent is gradually moving north very, very slowly. Um, and so it's going to be uh, potentially inhabitable for much, uh, a lot of time to come. Um, but just to finish the thought before, talk about... Uh, you know, 11,000 minus 300 to... How long was this? It was 1788 when they 70, arrived. Uh, yeah, that was the first fleet. In first 17, fleet. Uh, Cook was 17-something. Uh, he was about 10 years before that, wasn't he? I th 1778, 1788. 1770 something. Okay, let's just call it 1800. Yeah. Yeah. Who All cares? Right. <laughs> so that's how long it took for everyone to get around the continents. Uh, we don't want yeah. oceans in the way. Yeah, although we should, I suppose we probably should mention that uh, there is um, discussion that, well, not discussion, it's fact that the Dutch and Portuguese uh, discovered Australia first and possibly the Chinese as well, but just found the barren northern reaches of Australia and thought, what a shithole. Yeah, they've also found in Aboriginal populations uh, Egyptian-looking DNA. Really? I didn't yeah. know that one. They actually think ancient Egyptians made it out here. 
That would be... I had not heard that. Yeah. That's, um, <laughs> there's DNA evidence. I don't know if it's conclusive, but certainly there are people asking questions about it. And it makes sense. I mean, a one-way trip from Egypt, you end up here, you marry in, you never go back. Yeah. No one ever finds out about it. What the hell? And I mean, you know, you go down the Red Sea, go around the Indian Ocean, past, you know, hugging the coast oh, from it's India. Oh, doable. Hugging the coast from India yeah. around Asia. You could, yeah. It's doable and people are crazy. That too. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's plausible anyway. So, uh, you know, not to get hung up on that. Anyway. Um, so we're talking about like, you want to put one on each continent. Yeah. Now, where you actually located, that's fucking tricky. Uh, I was thinking underground. Yeah, the problem is though, it, it then becomes inaccessible. So you keep it safe from the catastrophe. Yeah. But it's real hard to get there then. Um, not only that, we let's talk about like just how you would actually make it known that the thing exists yeah, to people up, yeah. who don't. I mean, it's an unknown unknown to people. Yeah. I so, think you were mentioning, do you put up statues or something? Do you... Do you put up statues? I mean, how do you even describe this in a language other than English that such a thing exists? Yeah, because you don't know what people are going to be speaking. No, you've got no idea what they'll be speaking. I mean, did we actually come up with an idea for that? I don't think we did. No, I, I thought about it afterwards and I was thinking about, uh, you know, the, the likelihood of what languages would survive. And just on, just on pure numbers, it'd be, you know, Mandarin and English. But That's actually a really good point. Oh, wow. I mean, imagine trying to translate that much Wikipedia, though. I mean, we're relying on the English version, I suppose. Yeah. And English is the lingua franca. It is. I, I don't even know what world languages are spoken the most. I'm pretty, of, I'm pretty sure the two most spoken are Mandarin and English. but I, As natives, yeah. yeah. Well, not even just as natives, as what people learn too. Yeah, oh, um, okay. That as in because so many people learn English. In terms of native speakers, I'm pretty sure it's just flat out Mandarin. But why don't we stop here and just have a quick? Yeah, look. we can find this out. Okay, so possibly not English as the uh, as the second language after Mandarin. It depends on what we found. In terms of native speakers, apparently it's Spanish. Perdóname, por favor. Uh, but uh, I think in terms of people who learn English as well, because so many people around the world, no matter what language is their native tongue, learn English. Uh, I still feel confident saying that it's probably the second most spoken language outside of Mandarin. Wolfram Alpha uh, would agree with you. It's a pretty good computational knowledge database. If you guys haven't looked at it, have a squeeze. It's really pretty amazing. Um, so I'll put a link to that and the relevant query in the show notes. All right. All right. So we've established that we're going to use English. Yeah. It's a touch parochial of us, but bugger it. <laughs> it's our idea. We can do what we want. Yeah, yeah. And hell, Western civilization, English-speaking civilization. Nothing if not arrogant. Saving the day for hundreds <laughs> of years, so why not just extend that out? Yeah. Let's be a little bit like the what <laughs> the Future of Humanity Institute. <laughs> Let's assume the mantle. Uh, so... We still don't really know, first of all, how to describe the location to people. I mean, my own view on this, and I think we discussed this briefly last time, was that uh, stars 
are going to be the one immovable navigational system. Yeah. At least within the concept of human civilization. Eventually, the stars will be in different places. That's right. But in terms of the time frame that we're talking about within the next few thousand years, well, no, they'll, they'll be in the same place. Yeah, I think stars are the way to go. It's yeah. the first way that humans uh, were able to globally navigate. Yeah. Um, so I'm talking out my ass there, truth be told. I'm not sure of it, but if that sounds correct, there's a factoid. It sounds right. Yeah, it sounds... I mean... Stars, I suppose you could call the sun. That would have probably been the first way to navigate. But the sun is a star. So, so I'm sticking right. with it. I'm sticking with it. So let's just for the sake of argument say that we inscribe on stone maps based on astrological maps or astronomy. Astronomy. What's astro- Astrology is where people try and predict the future from stars. Yeah, that's like... Pisces and yeah, shit like that. Yeah, that would put it? me in the category of idiot. Um, <laughs> it's it's astronomical, right? I think so. It's not a part of uh, human Astron- knowledge that I've looked a lot into. Yeah, no, I'm, we're not experts on that, that's for damn sure. <laughs> no, we're not. Um, so we'll just call it star maps. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, inscribing star maps into rock somewhere. The question is, yeah. do you find a naturally occurring rock face? Um, if anyone knows what the most durable kind of rock is, let us know. Uh, but arguably, you want... You, you First of all, you want this rock face. Let's just play with that idea. You want the rock face to be somewhere that people will, will want to go. So it has to be like a notable... I mean, a notable geological feature is really where you want to do it. But I suppose in the event of a... Uh of an ice age caused by a comet or massive volcanic eruption. Yeah. People might not be able to live in the environments, in the in the places where people are living now. Yep, uh, yep. There are parts another... of North America that were buried beneath a mile of ice very recently, you know, comparatively speaking, yeah. during that, that ice But having one on each continent would also help with that. Like You'd diversify a bit, yeah. 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 Um, I think you probably... Would you want to put them as close to the equator as possible to reduce the chance of having ice? I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking that. So the rock faces, I mean, uh, it, it's a controversial idea, but can I just say that Uluru strikes me as a great place to start? <laughs> oh, <laughs> maybe we could get the um, permission of the locals. Yeah, yeah. Um, carve away a bit of Uluru because I mean, it is after all hard. Hard fucking rock. It's lasted uh, many thousands of years out in the middle of the Australian desert. That's it. But the whole reason that Uluru is there is because of the erosion around Uluru, because yeah. Uluru doesn't erode, or at least quickly. Yeah. So uh, that could be a good place to start. Um, I am feeling uncomfortable. Why am I feeling uncomfortable, Rob? Uh, well, because uh, the traditional owners of the land around Uluru or Ayers Rock, um, which if, if people don't know, who are listening, uh, it's basically a monolith in the middle of Australia, um, uh, a huge rock formation that just rises out of the desert and is very uh, is very sacred to um, uh, the Aborigine tribe who are traditionally from that part of the world. And I'm not uh, even sure it's politically correct to call them Aborigines anymore. No, I'm pretty sure it is. You can? You yeah. can still get away with that? I thought they preferred curry. Well, I think that's the their own... Uh, 
name for it, but Aborigine is, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I could be wrong. I don't pay much attention to Australian affairs, so I'm worried that, I've, uh, that I'm out of date political career. Let me put it this way. I'm pretty sure I'm safer saying Aborigine than you are saying let's carve shit on Uluru. <laughs> 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 but I like the idea. I mean, and who's to say that... As the, in they don't even like people walking up it anymore. No, I know. But who's to say that they wouldn't like to contribute to backing up human civilization? There we go. I mean, why we're don't all we just... In, we're all in this together. Why don't we just ask them if we can put the vault underneath all the rue? Uh, carve a passageway in something like the Egyptian pyramids is what I'm thinking. You know, you've gone quiet, Rod. I'll stop talking. <laughs> Um, so certainly notable rock faces and star maps. <laughs> I, I like star maps. I, can't I, help I like but, it. I can't help but think that sounds really dumb though. <laughs> like the equivalent of saying, uh, cloth that you wrap around your torso. Oh, t-shirt, <laughs> t-shirt. Uh, one of, uh, one of my favorite moments in life was when Pat forgot the word for t-shirt. Um, I described instead uh, how a t-shirt works yeah. to get the message. Here, can across. you can you chuck me that bit of cloth goes around your torso? Do, do you mean your shirt, Pat? Yeah, I think the strange thing is is that uh, the word torso. No, no worries. No, he, he got torso. A lot right? of people might have difficulty laying their hands on that one, but for me, that was sort of further up the rankings than shirt. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, mental blanks. They so happen. do you do you think that? Um, you know, the practicalities of civilization back up, where you store it, how you store it. It's fair to say we don't have a lot of answers on that. Well, we've, I think we've made progress with star maps and, and rock notable faces. rock faces. Yeah, I'm bigging us up for that. I actually think it's a pretty good idea. Someone, I'm sure, will write to us yeah. on mail at patandrodsavetheworld.com com to tell us why we're wrong about it and we'd be very happy to hear because we really are sh- you know shooting in the breeze here yeah. we've got no idea Do, is it shooting in the breeze or shooting breeze i think it's shooting the breeze the breeze okay i didn't even get that one right so yeah however um where to store uh, it I, I, I did good ideas as those are do you think it might be worth moving on to the idea of specifics of what we should be storing in the main i mean we've already spoken uh, about Wikipedia as a whole, I was more thinking about certain specific things that are abs- that I would consider necessities. I'm scared that we're never going to get to discuss this. So, do you mind if I just like dig my heels in yeah. and say I am still divided over whether or not to put the thing underground? Okay, because star maps is one thing on the rock wall, but how do you convey the concept of underground? In a languageless way. A line on a rock with a person standing on it and an arrow underneath. Arrow? I mean, that's a symbol that they're not necessarily going to understand. I don't know where arrows came from. I'm not sure that people in the future would know. I'm just saying that the concept of underground, when you think about it, that might not be easy to actually convey in pictorial form. Um, someone do some research into Egyptian hieroglyphs. I'm sure that they've got a concept of it, and if people subs- subsequent to them could figure it out, then I'm sure that uh, we could use something of that nature. And I'm also not convinced that storing it underground is the right idea. 
I mean, is there a problem with storing it in a super, super durable concrete bunker? I wonder what the shelf life of concrete is. I wouldn't be able to tell you that. Um, so, I mean, probably underground, uh, a passageway into a mountain. Caves. Caves. Caves is good, naturally occurring caves, in the sense that they... I mean, isn't the ideal scenario that the location, the ultimate location, is a place that people might just stumble onto regardless? Yeah. Regardless of whether or not they see the star maps. Yeah. So, I mean, to diversify or, or to increase the chances of people coming across the information, you'd make it so that actually just stumbling onto the vault is possible in an ideal world. So the Janolan Caves. Yeah. That would be one idea. And there are, I mean, every every continent has its massive cave systems. Yeah. That have lasted for centuries. Certainly. Okay. All right. I think we made some progress there, man. Sorry to cut you off. That's okay. Yeah, do you think? Um, so, I mean, I was... Uh, I, I had this very Indiana Jones cinematic moment in mind when I was thinking about this um, in terms of... What happens when someone discovers this in a cave or underground or wherever it, it may be? Um, if they have, for instance, just stumbled across it, how do they know what they've found? How do you let them know um, that this is something that previous humans have left for them? Hmm. Well, I've got an idea, Rod. I'm just going to say Share it. it. Share the first it, thing that came to mind, a giant cock statue. <laughs> Unmistakable. Unmistakable, universal, and something that will inspire interest regardless. <laughs> I actually think there's something to that. I'm just saying it's very hard to mistake a giant, yeah, a giant cock statue. I mean, ladies, don't get me wrong, I'm not being sexist if if there was a way to easily carve out a vagina that was universally recognisable. But we can't also assume... I was about to say something really stupid there, and I won't say it. But it's, it's tough to carve a vagina onto a wall. I think that it's much easier to carve a kind of monolithic cock that stands at the entrance of a cave and alerts people to the interesting material that might be inside. I mean, it's really the equivalent, it's the Stone Age equivalent of a clickbait headline. Sex, now that we have your attention. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I I, I, you know, I, I, um, I can't help but think that you might have a point there, <laughs> as much as I wish you didn't. If we're, I mean, let's just assume that the people that we're dealing with here have the sophistication of, you know, people from 30,000 years ago. When you think about how little in common we have with them, um, I mean, really, anatomical characteristics are one of the only things I can't believe I'm making this argument, but seemingly the more I talk about it, the better an idea it seems. Anatomical similarities. I mean, I suppose we could just have a statue of a person. <laughs> not as funny though. <laughs> not as funny. Uh, would a statue of a person? I mean, it might not necessarily evoke the same interest. Let's use the clickbait principle to justify this. I'm comfortable with it. If you are, see, I was. Um, I I didn't immediately think giant cock. Um, uh, that was the first thing that leapt into my yeah. mind. Um, I, <laughs> but I, I have to actually probably admit that your idea would work better. I was thinking. You know, what would 
get their attention and immediately let them know humanity, benevolent civilization. Mm. And I thought, music. Because it's something universal to every civilization that has ever been has had some form of music. Um, solar power in music. Yeah, but I couldn't... Well, maybe solar power, because I, I, that was as far as I got. I was trying to think of a way that you could have an audible piece of music, whatever that is, just maybe just a beat um, that would last for centuries, possibly millennia, until S someone finds okay. it. Okay, what about super, super, super durable wind chimes? Yeah. Before I go on with that thought, though, I will say that I also think a cock statue would have the advantage of being super durable in yeah. a way that a human figurine... Case closed. Yeah. Okay. So back so to... So we're going to the human cock statue. We're using the human With cock. maybe a chime around With it. super durable wind chimes. Yeah. That to me, I mean, over thousands of... Wind chimes... What about pipes? Okay, so wind chimes make... What noise. about the giant cock statue? <laughs> As air flows through it, there are like... Uh, you would compromise the integrity of the cock, right? Ah, okay. I don't know about you, but the idea of a hollow cock. See, is I, I was I was thinking like uh, uh, a musical organ within the organ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's something to splitting our sound function away from our visual notifier. I'm just putting it that way. Uh, so. Chimes probably, if they're clanging together for fucking ten thousand years, might well break. Mm -hmm. So maybe a system where you have constant wind, like geologically um, assured wind, and you put a kind of a pipe there that makes a noise when the wind rushes through it. That would be eerie as. Fuck, by the way. I wonder if such a thing actually already exists. I mean, I, I'm sure there are natural structures in the world where as the wind passes through it, it makes eerie noise. Yeah, but it would but... have to be... You'd have to strike a note that's unmistakably um, human. Built by human hands. Yeah. yeah. Maybe what you'd want is you'd want four different distinct pipes that strike distinct notes. Yeah. And that would also act as like a diversification mechanism. Basically like giant pan pipes. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Making a stainless steel or something that'll last for a while. I think that's quite doable. And there's no reason you wouldn't locate those at both the star maps and the, um, and the site itself. Yeah. In yeah. the sense that then you would have an association. Because they, yeah, yeah. They'd yeah. hear it at the, they'd hear it at the, the rock face map, whatever. And they'd, um. And then they'd hear it again at this next place and they'd know that's where they were. Okay, I think we're making progress here. Yeah. Huh. So in terms of they've, they've heard the music, they've seen the giant cock, they know they're in the right place. Um, and it's only a matter of time until they walk around and find the thing. Yeah, until they find the information that we've left for them. In a giant underground vault for the sake of argument. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with vault. that. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, cave, underground vault. Wherever it's yeah, I think the naturally occurring cave systems is a good idea, though. Yeah. It's a better idea than creating an artificial one. Uh, yeah. I was, uh, I was next interested in what information do you lead with? Well, arguably, you've got to teach them 
uh, your language first. Difficult to do when you don't know what language they're speaking. Uh, yes. Also, extremely hard to convey just, I mean, noises. Um, language is based on noise. It's typically communicated verbally, obviously. Uh, phonetics. Yeah. Uh, do you do something like the Rosetta Stone and have a bunch, like just have a uh, a few basic statements translated in a bunch of different languages? Wow! So that that's the first thing that they get. That okay, and if there is anything there that is familiar to them and what they're speaking now, yeah. they could then work back. Hmm. If, assuming you've left the the whole thing in English. If you've got a, a Rosetta Stone equivalent with a bunch of other different languages there with, you know, translation for what, you know, hi, this is civilization backup. This is information to help you from what we learned uh, before it all went wrong or whatever. And then that statement in a whole different other bunch of languages below. Yeah, well, first, I think you're exactly right. You'd have to, the, the top priority is to, tell them what it is that they've actually yeah. found. Because, you know, uh, until this point, up until this point, they think they've just found a stash of Stone Age porn. <laughs> so um, what you'd want to do is just have a notice that's in as many languages as you could possibly think of. Um, and hopefully one or the other of them is familiar. The, what I was thinking of, though, is, I mean, how do you actually teach them the language? So we'll call it the backup lingua franca, which is English, um, at least on our model of this. The rest of you can figure it out yourselves. <laughs> Go and do your own, own damn civilization backup. Uh, so if they're all, if all the information is in English, we actually have to educate them on English. And I suppose the ideal scenario is that they speak a language that is currently in use. So what you probably want to lead them to first is a giant wall of information that is essentially renditions of textbooks from one language to another language. So you'd have, you'd pick your top five languages, right? Yep. English, Chinese, and then you'd have a Chinese book on English and an English book on Chinese. Yeah. Um, English, Spanish. Yeah. English, and then you just English, have Hindi. each textbook that points to the other language. Like each language has to have a textbook for all the other languages. Yeah. And you just choose the top 10 for the sake of argument. Yeah. But that would and be I easily yeah. accomplishable, actually. If you, I mean, it would take and you wouldn't have to have an, the entire thing. Basic principles that would then allow them to work back and translate as they go. Just on a philosophical note, this is really illuminating about how much stuff you need to have in your head to be an operative member of the human race right now. <laughs> Especially if you're in the West and you've like received, you know, you've had the privilege of an education. It's just crazy to think how many things we assume that form the base for the artifice of civilization. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to get... Uh, deep on you anyway so we've got our we've got our translation stones for one of a better term yeah or like books based made out of whatever material our um illustrious audience tells us we should use yeah after that i was thinking just having uh you know 
a simple truth that for much of human civilization, people were unaware of. Um, just here you are, or maybe this could even come first, a map, a, a globe. This is where you are. Whoa, you just blew my mind. Because they might not even think the world's round. Yeah, they might not know about other continents. This is where you are. There is all this other stuff around you. You're probably not alone. Hmm. You know what you'd also do is on that globe, you would have plotted out where all the other stashes of yeah. information are. Yeah. So that, I mean, because chances are, if you built the system probably in ways better than what we've described, then that could actually form a congregation point to, well, this could just be the equivalent of a civilizational meet me here. Yeah. It's like, like a, a glorified map of a, uh, a shopping centre. You are here. Because what you <laughs> want to do is, as quickly as possible, draw links between the civilizations of human beings that remain on each continent. Yeah. I mean, would that be one of the top priorities? It'd be one of them. Might not be the top, but I think it'd definitely be up there. Mm. And they could hopefully use the uh, language textbooks printed in our unknown material to communicate with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, really, the first thing that you've got to do is just teach them language so that they can read the materials. And I'm not sure, by the way, what the fuck to do if they don't speak a language that is currently spoken. Yeah. I, I can't help but think that there would be similarities to at least one of the major languages. We can assume that. Like, you have to assume that because there's no other way of doing it as far as I can see. Well, I, I wonder if there's a way to teach someone a language without verbal communication. Linguists, get back to us. Braille. Um, I mean... As in it's a way of uh, people learn a language without verbal communication with it, but... Uh, <laughs> because even phonetics is based on symbols. I mean, yeah. you need to know what the symbols mean to make the sound. Yeah. I mean, in the end, the entire... Like, every system of language... Am I right in saying this? That every system of language requires that at some point you hear someone say a thing. I mean, hieroglyphs, to the best of my knowledge were translated without anyone actually currently knowing how to read them. And so it's possible, I don't know anything about Egyptian hieroglyphics, I'll just stop talking. <laughs> but I, I just wonder if there's a way to pictorially teach someone a language so that maybe they don't even know what it sounds like, but they can still derive meaning from it. Well, I mean, people, uh, people translate ancient languages today that they've never heard spoken. They do. Yeah. They do. We can't assume that kind of sophistication, though. I mean, those are like eggheads hanging out in dusty libraries who devote their lives to it. And all power to them, <laughs> because I'm sure we've got a few listeners who are from that profession. But um, it would be silly to assume that they have that capacity. I wonder if it's possible, though, to invent a kind of universal pictorial language that can actually teach someone proper language from pictures it possibly I honestly 
wouldn't have the faintest idea where to start. That shit is interesting. So someone email us on uh, mail at patandrodsavetheworld.com and let us know if you have any ideas on that because that shit's a stretch too far for us and our <laughs> meagre expertise. Because, <laughs> I mean, we are really talking about massive challenges here as if they're accomplishable by us, which they are emphatically not. Yeah. Yeah. Just to put that qualifier in, <laughs> obviously we're not deluded mofos. Okay. So after you are here, this is the world. Yeah. The next thing I was thinking... And this is human knowledge. Into, yeah. Well, I mean, sure, can't we start it with... Greetings <laughs> from the past. <laughs> that should be... Surely they should be the first. We are your new gods. You know, it would be tempting, at least in posterity, to pretend to be a god. I, I actually had that thought, <laughs> and I thought somewhere right up the top of the information we're putting across should be the very definite statement that you are hearing this not from gods. We are human beings just like you. But wouldn't it be fun to mislead them? Well... We wouldn't be there to enjoy it, and we could just jeopardise... I, I would argue that is not consistent with the goals of no. uh, civilization back up. You're right. I think that's probably not in line with the mission. Thank you for restraining me, Rod. That's okay. You're a... Uh, Moderation. You, moderate Rod. You are <laughs> uh, some sanity in my crazy. Um, so... So anyway, so... Uh, what I was thinking after uh, you are here, this is the world, just in case you didn't know, other continents out there, possibly other civilizations, other civilization backups, I was thinking basic medicine would be probably the most important thing to let people know, considering the centuries, the millennia, that people didn't know about washing your hands. Uh, People didn't know about germs. People didn't know about mosquitoes carrying disease. Basic stuff like that, I thought, would be uh, uh, probably step one. Because if people didn't know this and they learn it and you start saving people's lives, then they're going to listen to everything else you have to say. That is a really stellar idea, especially the bit about credibility. Yeah. Because when you think about it, you are establishing a relationship with your readers yep. off in the distant future. And the fastest way to establish that kind of credibility would be to save their lives. That's what I was thinking. I think you I really think you're right about that. Actually, that completely changes the way I was thinking about it. Hmm. What was your thoughts on say Well I had ridiculous ideas about like teaching them to build, you know, walkie talkies and shit. <laughs> um, but obviously the fastest way to like make their lives better is to teach them basic hygiene. Although you want to be careful of coming across as a touch patronising if you're telling them to take shits away from camp. <laughs> <laughs> I I will concede that that is a risk. But well, that is a risk I am willing to take. You started off by saying, "Look, we know you probably already know this, <laughs> but wash but your fucking hands. <laughs> put fifty meters between." One of your, you know, one of your uh, toilet breaks and camp. It's yeah. going to be great for the health of your children. <laughs> Rule one, don't shit where you eat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, you already knew that. Yeah. Uh, we just, yeah. 
Not yeah. to be absolutely sure. You know, sometimes there are other people who might come across this who aren't <laughs> you who might not know those kinds of yeah. things. But I mean, it, I, I think it's fair because for hundreds of years, people didn't know that. For hundreds of years, people thought that malaria was caused by mal air, like bad air. Bad air, yeah. Like, they didn't know that mosquitoes killed you. We're talking about um, the Enlightenment before, though. And I've got to ask. How many Enlightenment principles yep. are required for these people to actually grasp what you're saying about medicine? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's one of the other things I had, and I had it a bit further down from medicine yeah. uh, when I was thinking about it. And I, it was, um, you know, logic and rhetoric and reason, how to think, and uh, it may maybe that's my private school background coming through. Um, but I thought it was something important to have within, say, I, I, I didn't have it right up the top, but I had it within a bundle of like eight or nine things to, to first teach people. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, how do you just, it's so abstract though. Yeah. I mean, to understand knowledge on a meta level and the acquisition of knowledge is actually something that you sort of require an education to learn in the first place. Yeah. Like I, I had it, you know, uh, below basic medicine, basic technologies, uh, basic communication, things like that. I mean, if you think about but it, I, a child will learn the basics of survival before they learn such abstract things as, you know, deductive reasoning. Yeah. Uh, so you're probably right. You would actually potentially use the medical directives as a way later on to demonstrate enlightenment principles of rationality. Yeah, I, I still have those. I still have basic medicine and hygiene first. Yeah, and also, by the way, keeping the people who have encountered this thing alive yeah. is also probably a priority. Yeah. And you don't know what state they're going to find it in. No. They might be diseased as fuck without even knowing it when they find the thing. Yeah. You might clue them into something that keeps them alive and increases the chance of the knowledge spreading. Um, okay. So I think you've um, I think you've moved up the queue of things to describe. I had a bunch of other things, but no, I think no. that that one's... Yeah, I'll, I'll still talk about them, but I, I think that that is probably the top priority, at least so far as I can think now. If anyone else has got a better idea about like what the top priorities should be for communication, let us know. Um, but you know, for the time being, I think that that's probably a good way to start. So teach them basic medicine. Maybe you teach them basic reasoning after you've taught them basic medicine. Yeah, I was. Uh, I still had that. You know, basic reasoning logic. A bit further down, I had um, uh, basic technology. Um, you don't, again, not knowing what they have, they might have the wheel. Wow. They might not. Yeah, you're right, actually. I mean, we can't even assume they have fire, for fuck's sake. Shit, I, hadn't, I, I had <laughs> assumed they had fire. Maybe they don't. Uh, Maybe they don't have fire. I mean, it's probably worth teaching them fire. Uh, that was arguably one of the great, yeah. the first great And then you can get onto, you know... You can get onto steam after that. True. I once heard it said, and I actually did research this to verify it, that yeah. the Romans, the ancient Romans, had every piece of technology required to build a steam engine. But they 
just didn't put it together. The uh, not um, like ancient Egyptians in terms of Egyptian Empire, but ancient Egyptians at the time of the Romans, I believe, had a working steam engine. Wow! But they just used like it was just like it. it was barely working right. and it was like a little novelty thing that spun around and no one knew what to do with it yeah and it was that was it like forgotten about for another 1700 years or something um, jesus that's amazing yeah i mean to think like what would have happened if you just had had someone twig in ancient egypt yeah that would be a great premise for a movie by the way like what would happen if the ancient egyptians actually you know, some kind of, you know, nutty fellow figured out how actually to maximise yeah. the use of steam power. Well, I'm pretty sure at the time Egypt was in the Roman Empire and the Romans were yeah. such brilliant builders and that sort of thing. As they were building their roads, what if they discovered steam and were had, like, steam carriages and things? Would the Roman Empire have fallen? Would we still be living in the Roman Empire today had they harnessed the power of steam? I mean, I love history counterfactuals at the same time as being maddened by them. I think I love them because I'm maddened by them. That is juicy. We could do an entire thing on that. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about it later. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to, uh, right. back to civilization backup. Back to civilization backup. So in terms of like who our audience is, I think that you want to be thinking about potentially caveman 30,000 years ago. Um, you want to be thinking of a human being that has some kind of language, but really is just clueless apart from that. Yeah. Um, I think that's the, the safest way to go. I don't think it's the most um, well, if you're likely. Gonna, no, I don't think it's the most likely either, but this is, after all, a backup. Yeah. I think, yeah, as in in terms of uh, likelihood, you know, in the admittedly unlikely event of a massive global catastrophe, whether that be a uh, a man-made war or a global epidemic or a massive supervolcano eruption or a comet or whatever, Mm. um, unlikely they all are. Um, I think should one of those occur, it would be more likely that it'd be within the next hundred years or something when people still have a bit of a memory of what's gone before that they would find something like this. At the same time, the safer option is to assume that, no, they've regressed pretty much entirely. I mean, there's also the idea that if you want to get really crazy about this idea, and I mean really fucking crazy, suppose that humanity is entirely wiped out, (laughs) okay? That that evolutionary branch is snipped. And actually, a few monkeys survive. And in four or five million years... The monkeys have re-evolved back I to where humans even are. even considered that. Well, I don't see that that's implausible. No. Um, and maybe humans are just this incredible cosmic accident and there's no chance of that happening. I wouldn't even know what the odds of that are. Yeah. But, I mean, there is obviously... I mean, evolution is a super simple mechanism, but it produces this incredible complexity. And I don't see why having the, the top lopped off, assuming, of course, we're the top, that it wouldn't regrow. Um, so, I mean, that's another interesting yeah. thought. And that just makes things harder, actually. Maybe the cock statue isn't the way to go. 
Um, well, that would still be universal for the monkeys. Yeah, it would be. I don't even know what a monkey's cock looks like, though. I, <laughs> I'm just saying maybe they I, wouldn't I, relate I, to it. I've never seen one up close, but I assume it's roughly the same structure. I mean, if we're talking about millions of years, though, even rock walls and space maps on rocks starts to get tough. I mean, I don't even know. Talking on that timeline, we're probably above our... well. Who am I kidding? We're well above our pay grade already. But that's probably above anyone's pay grade. Trying to figure out how to communicate with a different kind of evolutionary being. Like, anyway. Yeah. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. That shit's tough. Yeah. Just a, just a quick thought on initial information to have for them to find in Civilization Backup. How much do you give them about um, space and time? This is not just... This is where you are in the world, but this is where you are in the solar system. Uh, this is where you are in the universe. I don't know. How I think I mean that... it's it's a super interesting uh you know, necessary thing for us to know now, but in terms of rebooting civilization, it's is not it, necessary. Yeah. No. I think you'd have it up the back of the room. <laughs> you know, here are the nice to knows. Or the like totally cool shit that isn't necessary for you to survive, to survive section. Yeah, okay. Um, but in terms of like, I was thinking, I've got noted down here, the transport. Yeah. Transport would be one of the first things that you teach them. And I w we were talking about things like motorbikes and the rest of it. But if you want to get really serious about navigating the globe, you want to do it on water. Yeah. So it's possible that the best way to teach these people how to move around quickly is to show them a great boat design. Yeah. I don't know off the top of my head what is the best boat design in terms of simple to build, sturdy, and able to go long distances. Trireme. I mean, why not just teach them how to build one of those? Because that was the first manifestation of human global um, navigation in deep water ocean. Assuming that the Egyptian, ancient Egyptians didn't make it to Australia in their papyrus boats. Yeah. The thing is, though, is that um, the, the trireme, wasn't that the first thing to be used to, to cross oceans as like just a matter of course? So it's not like a death mission. It was something that you could actually conceivably safely do. Yeah, That's, although it never crossed an ocean. It didn't? I mean, they, they were big around the Mediterranean Sea, but they weren't crossing the Atlantic or anything like that. Uh. I really need to brush up on my naval history. I, I would think um, in terms of simplicity of design and able to go a long way, the Viking longboats, because they they did cross the Atlantic. Fuck. That's crazy. The thing is, though, you don't... I mean, how hard... You would need to basically do a calculation, like a ratio between the utility and difficulty of building it. Mm. So you could teach them, of course, how to build... Um, a modern day, um, a modern day naval vessel, but there's no yeah. way they're going to be able to, even though that would be the best for getting around. Yeah. So you'd have to have the balance. Yeah, I have absolutely nothing to back this up, but my own gut feeling. But I would suspect that it is probably easier to build a Viking longboat than a trireme. Hmm. I don't know what I'm basing that on. Okay, well, let's settle on that for the time being. Anyway. Provisional opinion. 
give them the design for a Viking longboat or whatever other boat suitable in terms of the ratio of ease to efficiency of transport. And um, that will get them around. I suppose there's an argument to be made then, by the way, to cast back that potentially these locations should be close to the ocean. But there's a risk involved. In yeah, that. because an ocean might wipe everything out. Yeah. I'll leave that one up for discussion as well. Yeah. Um, how, uh, how much history do you think should be included? Because I love history, but I'm, uh, I'm aware that it's generally not necessary for someone to live their day-to-day life and survive. But, I mean, in ter- if something has wiped out humanity, is that something we let them know about? Especially if it's something we did to ourselves. Hmm. That's a tough one. I reckon we get to the moral grey areas a bit later yeah. and continue to just figure out which technological innovations would be the most important for kickstarting civilization. Again. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, I have in my head that you, one of the first things, human beings are tool builders. Tools are more than anything based on physics. Yeah. So uh, the idea of teaching these people abstract molecular chemistry is obviously ridiculous. It's just not that practical when you're getting started out. I think the first thing you want to teach them about are gears, levers, um, force, acceleration, yep. all of the really, really basic physics stuff that's required that you are required to know in order to build the trappings of civilization, whether those be um, textile looms, I mean, a steam engine has an enormous amount of physics involved in it. I actually think that if you look at the way that humans developed civilization, that would probably be a good route to take because there's a certain sort of natural progression involved in that. So maybe the first thing you want to do is actually teach them basic physics and then teach them how to build a steam engine. Or a really basic uh, basic solar power design or something. Well, that's an interesting, that's a fucking interesting point. And the reason is because isn't silicon the second most readily available element? It's up there. I, I don't it's, know. I actually, I'm positive about that one because I was struck by it and researched it once. Iron is the most available element um, and second is silicon. So if you could teach them how to build solar cells, that would definitely yeah. be the fastest. And I don't way. even mean like things on people's roofs heating, heating water right now. There was uh, there was something back towards the the turn of the last century, where a bloke was uh, was actually building rudimentary solar power uh, things in um, I think it was in Egypt actually. <laughs> it was an American building these things in Egypt, and then the First World War just put an end to it all. Um, oh wow! Really? Yeah. Actually, I wish I could remember his name. I hundred percent. I saw photos of that. Yeah. And so, like, something like that, that was, you know, workable then. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, I mean, because one of the first things you want to do is clue them in on electricity. Hmm. I mean, if you teach them basic physics and then teach them the basics of a steam engine without going too far into it, this concept of leapfrogging technology-wise is a very interesting one. And one of the better examples of it is telecommunications in Africa, where there are a lot of countries that don't have telephone lines, but they don't give a fuck. They just build 
radio towers for mobile telephones. Yeah. And so they've just skipped the stage of um, terrestrial telephone lines. Um, so arguably what you want to do is catapult these people into modernity via electricity as quickly as humanly possible. Yeah. I think there's a, ri- there's a, a risk in catapulting people too fast. Um, if, you know, assuming that... Well, if they have the knowledge, I mean, what do you mean? What as in, mean? if these are people, like, assuming that it is, that humanity has regressed to the point where it is, like, 30,000 years ago, and they suddenly find this cave with all this stuff, and a few years later, they have electricity. Yeah. What I mean, is, what are what the potential the... consequences there? Actually, I was just trying to think. I, I, my initial thought was that they uh, basically fuck it up and kill them or kill, kill themselves. Well, I mean, um, they learn real quick about what to do and what not to do. Yeah, but, but I mean, how many people, how many people electrocute themselves before they work that out? Well, was my thought. Let's just assume we've got a few dispensable future humans. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I mean, you can only put warning signs on so much. Um, it's, just, it's assuming a lot to to assume that they're actually going to understand the warnings in the first place. The idea is you just give them a shove in the right direction because people can do an awful lot if you just map out the way to figure it out. I mean, you don't even have to map out all the stuff to figure out. You just map out the way. But we want to make this happen as quickly. I mean, isn't that an express part of our mission, to make this happen as quickly as possible, to get them back to, to year zero or, yeah. you know, the, the peak of human civilization as quickly as we can? So, I mean... Yeah. As quickly as we can or as smoothly as we can? Are the two... I thought that... I would think that the two are uh, mutually supporting... Not necessarily, I wouldn't think. If you want them to do it... Oh, okay. So I think there is definite scope to give them the basic information and then allow them to work it out in their own time. I don't like that idea. I want to get them right back up to the present. That's an interesting debate. So you actually think that there'd be utility in getting them up until, say, the technological um, status of the 1920s or something like that. Yeah, or something like that. Just after electrification. Yeah, or before that even. Industrial revolution. Yeah, but you're then condemning... Think about it this way. If you're squeamish about a few getting offed by electrocuting themselves, incidentally... (laughs) The idea that you would hold back 200 years of technological innovation, a lot of which has been fantastic for extending human lifespans, Very true. should give you pause. Arguably, by depriving them of technological innovation, you're actually causing I'm not the talking deaths. about depriving them of it. Have that information there. Yeah. But have it way up the fucking back. Yeah, but it's not as if they're going to do everything in order. <laughs> You can't assume that they're going to, like, read this, like, good little chillins from the first page to the last. <laughs> um, I mean, in the end, the only thing that will restrain them is the ability to understand. And 
the, I suppose the way that you structure the information could actually act as a kind of time restraint. Yeah. But then you just start to get into territory where you're like, well, now you have to figure out this code. <laughs> it's to like read a video the rest game. Of the, the rest of the information. Find the key to get through this next door. Yeah, I'm not sure that we yeah. want to frustrate them in that way. If I was them, I'd be like, you fucking assholes, were you trying to clue us <laughs> in or not? Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, that's a really interesting question, though. The idea of having like a delay mechanism, so you, you get them used to one stage of like human evolution, yeah. and then you move them on to the next. So you have like I don't know some kind of system of super durable system of pulleys or <laughs> whatever to like allow like secret trap doors yeah. to open. And I'm not talking like generations between. No, you're each talking one. about years. Yeah. Or whatever. I think probably the understanding, the ability to understand... I'd give them a couple of years to work out steam before you get them onto electricity, that kind of thing. The thing is, though, do we use steam for fucking anything anymore? I'm trying to think of something. It's hard. I don't think we really use it for anything anymore because electricity and fossil fuels have carried the day. So... There's a case to be made that actually teaching them STEAM, at least past just the rudimentary basics, is a complete waste of time. <laughs> leapfrog. It's, the, it's, again, that concept of, like, technological leapfrog. Um, so fossil fuels, I mean, uh, that's a tough... Do we, do we just not give them fossil fuels, considering what... Uh... Well, I presume the Earth's already been fucked up totally <laughs> by whatever catastrophe it is that ends us. Yeah, like, how do you decide what not to let them know? Okay, so yeah, that's, that, that's getting that, real interesting. Yeah. I mean, so the obvious question is nuclear weapons. <laughs> that's what we talked about last time. Yeah. And I've actually got a really interesting article to hand about um, two physicists that in the 1960s, the US government did an experiment with, and they basically wanted to figure out... Um, how long it would take two people with a good scientific PhD level education who weren't specialists in weapons to actually come up with a schematic for a nuclear weapon. And it took these two PhD level physics guys who had no specialty in nuclear weapons three years to come up with a design that bomb nuclear bomb experts agreed was totally plausible and would work. So... Yeah, the idea of giving them nukes within, let's just say for the sake of argument, it was conceivable to educate these people within like three years. You could get them to the point where they could actually build their own nukes. That's probably a bit quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you want to take them through human history before you get them to that bit. The Maybe that's where you start, yeah, where you start... Uh... Putting all the uh, all the information about human history in. But here's actually this is a fucking fascinating. Like after here. you've got them not shitting where they eat and washing their hands and uh, with a bit of basic technology, yeah, you then get onto history and logic and. Well, but here's the thing though. Remember how we were saying that the order of the acquisition of the knowledge by these future people yeah. is going to be throttled down by their comprehension. Yeah. Okay. And they're not necessarily going to read it in order. Also true. Okay. 
we talk about the back of the room, but if it was me, I'd kind of want to go to the back of the room just to see what shit they had back there. <laughs> I would go, wow, this is what I'm like, learning all this stuff beforehand. I'll ultimately get to it. How cool does that giant mushroom cloud looking thing look? <laughs> so, but Do you have it all in the one place? But here's the, can I just get to this point? This is a super interesting idea. The idea though, that if you can take them, assuming that you can take them, from year zero to five, you can span all of the information and get them to understand and comprehend all the information required for a nuke. But they read no history. They have, they, they miss hundreds of years of philosophy. And they're just interested in the physics stuff. Yeah. The idea of these people having the ability to build a nuke without any knowledge of human history is a super scary thought. It's also, however, missing, I think, a, um, a pretty vital point is that they will have their own history. They will have their own stories and their own uh, uh, past and their own understanding of human nature. But presumably not at the scale that we no. are operating at. I mean, we're talking about nation states and billions of people. I think personally that if we're talking about a few thousand or even a few hundred thousand people... They're just different games. Um, so it'd be very hard to communicate how to responsibly use a nuclear weapon as a desert tribe. <laughs> how about we just leave nuclear fission off the table? But I don't, I'm not sure I'm okay with depriving them of the ability to have nuclear power. And it's not far from nuclear power to nuclear weapons. Uh... I'd be okay. I'm okay with the problem of the knowledge of nuclear power. Like, what's the what's the downside to depriving them of that knowledge? Well, nuclear power. I mean, I don't want to get into a political debate on nuclear power, but it's it's obviously a very very good way to generate electricity for large numbers of people. I mean, if you want them not to have to maintain two decades later, uh, 19 coal power stations, then you might want them just to centralise their efforts on building one nuclear one. I'm just saying that could be super handy yeah. because we're not just talking about years zero to five here. I mean, arguably, what we should also be including is how to rebuild civilization over the span of a few decades to give them a guide because... If you See, think about is, it, yeah. they're not necessarily going to know how best to implement these technological tools yeah. on a civilization-wide level. You know, the more we get back, the more we talk about it, the more I'm uh, a fan of the notion of just giving them the basics but, yeah. and then letting them make their own way. Oh, wow. That's cold. I actually think it's it's quite uh, merciful. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I see the argument for that, but okay. So the, here's where we have. Like, like it's not it's not where I started. I was at the start. I was like, yeah, get them get them right up to speed. But the more we talk about it, the more I'm coming around to the idea of just the basics. I think we've uncovered a super interesting divergence of opinion. <laughs> I really do because I am a thousand percent in favour still of getting them back to where we left off. 
And I'm not necessarily talking about like, here's the schematic for a nuclear weapon as soon as you've learned introductory physics. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about, um, you know, depriving them of certain really key things. I mean, we don't want to give them the recipe for anthrax. We don't want to give them the schematic for a nuclear weapon. But I mean, I well, think there's key, a really strong what argument. What things would you be depriving them of? Well, there's a, in, well, I'm talking about nuclear weapons and anthrax. How are those key things to, if you, if you, how are those key things to deprive them? I'm not saying that. I'm saying I would deprive them of that. Yeah. But I think that nuclear power, which is closely related to nuclear weapons, is a key thing to deprive them of. And I don't agree with depriving them of that. And I flat out don't see it as a key thing to deprive them of. Nuclear power? Yeah. How has it been something that's been necessary for human civilization ever? Well, it's not necessary. If we're talking about rebooting just, human civilization I just as think the necessities. 15 years into the future, once they've got their shit together, yeah. and assuming that there's not a great number of them, it's going to be much easier for them to maintain one nuclear power plant than it would be to maintain many more other less efficient power plants. There's an argument to be made for that. And you have to try and plan for as many different scenarios as possible. Maybe they have enough people to maintain 19 coal power plants. Um, but maybe they don't. And shouldn't we have the information required for the largest number of scenarios to make like the largest number of scenarios plausible? That's just... Do that's... we just teach them basic solar uh, technology and let them evolve their own things from there? Don't even get to, to fossil fuels. Um, that's an interesting idea. The idea of just saying, well, here's where we think is a good way. Here's a good starting point. This is a good branch to <laughs> climb along. So you start them off on nuclear, oh, I'm sorry, on solar power. And I've just, the idea though of depriving them of something as important as nuclear physics makes me depressed <laughs> and I would accuse you of being paternalistic but these people might have the sophistication of your average rugby league player oh oh shit did I just say that do you know what I mean would you give a rugby league player a <laughs> nuclear weapon and say now you're gonna have to be careful with that um, it can blow lots of shit sky high um, don't press that button. Well, I wouldn't give anyone something with a button and say don't press it because I wouldn't be able to not press it myself. Yeah, it would be like sort of the nouveau Adam and Eve story. <laughs> like, Rather than eating the apple, yeah. you press the button and I, wipe out human civilization yeah. again. Like if someone puts me in a room with a button and a sign saying don't press this button, I would never be able to stop myself from pressing it. They actually have a thing in... Australia has... A, a nuclear reactor for producing medical radioactive isotopes and they have a button that says don't press me oh wow and apparently tons of they have it there as a joke obviously but a lot of people press this I, button <laughs> I, couldn't, a, I couldn't stop myself you're in a nuclear facility I, there's a button that says just to say, don't press just, me and people fucking press it. I, I honestly think that's one of like the key characteristics of the human race is curiosity. You can't stop people from pressing that button. Yeah. Um, by the way, it's super important. I mean, one of the first things surely that you would teach these people is antibiotics. Goes 
with basic medicine. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just had that noted down yeah, here. Yeah. I think that's a great way to get people to live longer. Um, it would be quite hard though to describe all the different scenarios where I mean, see, antibiotics is not going to help with anything viral, mm-hmm. um, and so you don't want to destroy credibility. Like, you want to be pretty careful about describing what it will and won't work with if it's one of the first things you tell them. Yeah. Because if they, if someone's got a virus, someone's got a flu, you give them antibiotics, doesn't do shit. They go, what the fuck is this bull crap from the past? It's not helping anything. <laughs> These people don't know what they're talking about. These no people have no idea. Fuck that. No one, yeah, no wonder they're not alive anymore. Yeah. Yeah. The more we talk about this, the more I think just the basics. Oh, no. I'm so against that idea. I, okay, so let me right, understand any, the scope anyone, of what anyone, you're anyone listening? <laughs> Are you on Team Roderick or Team Pat here? Um, I, but first, let's define the scope of that. Yeah. Okay, so what are you talking... Obviously, you're talking about depriving people of nuclear power, but how far would you deprive them? And I'm also aware that framing the question in this way kind of helps my argument. Yeah. It's deprivation. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you want to frame it a different way. I just felt that it was fair to point out that I have a rhetorical advantage. <laughs> I'm fair. I, I, in terms of if we're if we're talking about uh, rebooting human civilization, perhaps the most fair thing to do is let these people have their own say in that, um, and uh, and allowing them the basics of hygiene and communication and history and technology. And then let it, and finding their own way and creating their own civilization after that is perhaps the, oh uh, the my best God. way of going. That is the most hippy dippy bullshit <laughs> I've ever heard of in my life. Because if I was one of those people and I came up with the next step that I knew you fucking knew <laughs> and you didn't tell me, I'd be pissed, man. I'd be like, who you the would- fuck were you to deprive me of my ancestral knowledge? Also, probably the most practical way of doing it, because again, we've already discussed the uh, the difficulty of downloading the entirety of human knowledge at this point. Yeah, okay, but if I mean, we've always been talking about this in terms of what yeah. would be a maintainable project, yeah. and so just downloading Wikipedia is an easy way to do it. But if you really set out to do this properly, you'd have a series of basically civilization textbooks that give all the basics, and it's just a question of where you cut off the textbook. And <laughs> forgive me. But it sounds like you want to cut off the textbook somewhere in the early 20th century. I hadn't really put a t- uh, date on it. Well, I'm trying to understand the scope of what you would deprive our... our God, you're uh, a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> so, w- what would you withhold? Well, what would you withhold? You've already said you're going to withhold would, nuclear weapons. I would withhold basically weapons of mass destruction... I would arguably tell them that such things exist because that is, by the way, a big deal. When you tell someone that something exists, they know what to shoot at. Yeah. So there's an argument to be made that they shouldn't even be aware of the existence of such things, although it would be quite hard to put human history into context in some cases. What? Ah, oh, you bastard. You're going to deprive them of all this knowledge. Well, I mean, I think I have a sound argument for that. Um and you agree with me, so stop playing <laughs> devil's devil's advocate. I I would deprive them or withhold from them these weapons. Maybe I would say to them, these are such terrible things and they got us into so much trouble 
that you can read the history of them, but we're not going to tell you how to make them. So you can fucking just get the history, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. And if you really want to figure it out, good luck to you. Yeah. So, I mean... Well, I mean, one of the things which I had in there was human history. Um, yeah. So telling someone that something has happened is very different to telling them that this is how you do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just making the point, though, that telling them that it happened actually is a large part of getting them in the direction of actually acquiring the thing. Because once you know a thing is possible, it's much easier to acquire That's it. true. So that that's the only point I was making. I think we agree on weapons of mass destruction. Okay, cool. So we deprive them of weapons or what are conventionally known as weapons of mass destruction. But what else would you be okay with depriving them of or withholding? I'd actually be okay with withholding uh, uh, fossil fuels and nuclear power. <sighs> Tell, have it in the history, say this is what we did. But if they want to figure it out for themselves, go for it. But I mean, also having the history is all the problems that that caused. Put it this way, though. If you... As in, uh, fossil fuels have caused way more damage to the world than weapons of mass destruction. That's true, and I agree with that. But you could actually carve fossil fuels into a few different categories. So think about it. Oil actually does very little in the way of damage, so far as global warming is concerned. Relative, and I know that it's a lot of damage in absolute terms, relative to stuff as basic as... Um, uh, grazing cattle, um, aircraft engines, uh, coal fire power plants. I mean, you could arguably deal with the damage that fossil fuels create because it's such an important method of transportation and still is. The fact that it's still so important is an indicator that probably we shouldn't deprive them of the knowledge of how to do it. Um, I mean... Cars, motorbikes, these will be very important things for them to know how to use, surely. And I think it's much more plausible to teach these guys how to build a fossil fuel-driven four-wheel drive than it is to try and get them to build a solar car. I mean, a solar car, we don't even really have that technology figured out yet. No, that's true. Um, I mean, if we could tell them about how to build an electrical grid that they could plug an electric car into, that would work, potentially. But fossil fuels are just so important for transportation, I don't think it's a good idea to withhold them, even considering the greenhouse effect that they have. Um, but I just think that that's a worthwhile hit to take um, when you consider that that's, relatively speaking, not a high proportion of where we get the global warming problem from. I'm just going to not let you get away with saying that grazing cattle causes global warming. Don't don't cattle farts contribute like 2.5% to greenhouse gas? Because it's methane, and methane has like 10, 10 times the global warming effect of carbon dioxide. Yeah, they fart, but they're also grazing on grass, which uh, soaks up gases and carbon dioxide through photosynthesis. <laughs> like it's Ladies and gentlemen, I think I've offended... An old farm boy. <laughs> um, that's I actually don't okay, know. There's, this. there's no uh, in terms of uh, defrosting uh, defrosting permafrost in the uh, in the Arctic Circle and cattle grazing. <laughs> there just, is no comparison. I wish that our listeners could see the defensive look on Rod's face as 
as he asserts that the industry, I mean, Rod, as by way of background, comes from an enormous cattle station <laughs> up in Queensland. I mean, how many hectares did you guys have? Uh, it was about 160, 170,000 acres. 170,000 acres, for fuck's sake. How many cattle are you running on that? Uh, depended on the season. Give me an approximate. Uh, about 10,000. 10,000, okay. So, you know, fantastic global warmers in their day. <laughs> He's uh, getting genuinely pissed. I think I might stop this uh, avenue of humour. Um, so what else would you withhold from them? Uh, what have we got? Fossil fuels, nuclear power, weapons of mass destruction. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything else that has caused more damage. Hmm. <clears throat> I'd be interested to hear from people on that. Or one. could potentially cause more damage. If there's anything else, that you, are you okay with the word withhold, by the way? <laughs> You've said it 50 times. Okay. Just, you know, framing a question for the listenership. Um, so what would you guys withhold? Um, are there any other major technological innovations that you would uh, stop people from um, having in the future? I think that the other really interesting thing here is communication. And it wouldn't be that hard to teach people how to make a computer from raw elements. If you, honestly, you could put, you could do that in 300 pages. I'm just pulling that out of my ass. But I mean, I do. You, you want to teach someone from 30,000 years ago how to build a computer? Yes, I do. I think that building computers if we want to get them back to where we are as quickly as possible, and that's still my mission at least, um, then we need to teach them how to have these incredible tools for communication and information processing. Um, and, you know, I think that actually teaching them how to build computers would be one of the final things that you'd do, but it's a super important one. I mean, it's just, um, to my mind, one of the most important technological innovations for a few centuries and um, really should be a top priority to, to teach these people. We've already discussed, though, that the difficulty of keeping something behind, keeping something back. What's stopping them going straight to computers and going, what the fuck is this box he's trying to get me to, to build? This is shit. You'd, you'd have to have a system where you demonstrate progression. So you'd have to say to them, look, don't get discouraged that you don't understand this like box with indeterminate numbers on what looks like a rock wall. <laughs> like, don't get discouraged about that because you need to understand a whole heap of shit before this. I think it's also worth probably telling them to get their best people on it. <laughs> I actually think it's worth stipulating. <laughs> you like you're gonna want uh, you're gonna want your brains on this one. Yeah. Like, who are your smartest people? Get them to come here because what you don't want is for them to think that this has like it's purely military in application, and then you have like a whole heap of like Stone Age military meatheads rocking up. We what you want are the guys who figure out how to make sharper spear points you know people who are obsessively interested with like whatever technology cavemen are interested in so i think that's an important aspect of it as well yeah um 
So we're at an hour and a half. Yeah, already. I just I just noticed the time myself. Um, this is way over time. Uh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, people can pick this up and drop it off as they yeah, like. True. But I, I think that that sort of mainly gets through the notes that I had taken. Um, yeah, I had a few other things about you know what um, uh, in, you know mathematics and science and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, you you just jump straight to nuclear power though. <laughs> we did have some interesting questions here about trying to figure out how to ensure that the people who found it were benevolent, that you weren't actually giving an enormous um, civilizational kickstart to the equivalent of the ancient human sacrificing Incas or something. Was it Incas or Aztecs? Aztecs. 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 Like, you want the people to get a hold of this information, preferably to be nice, or maybe you could even have an ethical education section. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, that could be included in the uh, logic and rhetoric and everything. Yeah, it might go down uh, like a lead balloon. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I suppose in, in splitting it up and having one on each continent, that, you know, could help a little bit um, in terms of, you know, hopefully one of the groups of humanity who find it are not uh, human sacrifice inclined. Um, I, I don't know how, if you're having it in a place that, potentially people could just stumble upon mm. how you could make it in a in a way that only benevolent people found it. I think that's just a risk you're going to have to take. I think it is. I think you're right about that. It's an interesting thing to think about, but... It All really... the more reason just to provide the basics. Well, no, I, I acknowledge that argument, actually. That's a super interesting... I think that that's the best argument so far in support of that case, that you potentially have to hedge against really terrible people getting a hold of the information. That's interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, I think we're just about to start talking in circles. Uh, I don't know about that. There's still a lot to it. I can definitely think of other things to talk about. But, like, at least to keep people sane who, for whatever reason, feel obligated to listen this far... Um, yeah, let's, let's call it an evening, man. Right, yeah. All right.